you feel it, you know it. D. Raw Productions. episode of the Houston Sports Connoisseurs. Don't forget to seek, listen, and learn to be a sports connoisseur just like me, your boy, D-Raw. I got Charles with me again, my co-host. What up, what up, people? It's the number one connoisseur out of H-Town. Back at you again, ready to deliver a major, major, major episode. Yeah, so we finna talk nothing but basketball today. First, we're gonna start off with the Rockets and we're gonna dig right into that. Let's get it. Wait a minute. Before we get started, I just want to say this here. I think uh, if my memory serves me correctly, this is like going to be uncharted waters for me and Mr. D-Raw today because I don't think we did a podcast that was specifically dedicated to the NBA just between you and I, right? No, we haven't. And it's pretty early for us to even be you know, talking NBA because everybody's still focused on football, NFL, and college. You know, it's a lot of that going on right now. So... Uh, we'll definitely catch everybody off guard with this NBA talk. Let's do it. So uh, first, we want to you know do like a review on where the Rockets are and where they're going uh, so far in this season. Uh, looking at two of the recent games, two of the recent losses the Rockets had. Uh, that first loss was the Mavericks, where we lost one twenty one to one fifteen. Uh, you know. Just looking at that game, St. Golden, man, he, he, he plays amazing every night. Uh, every night he's damn near averaging a triple-double or or something close to it. Um, I had looked at something. He was, like, one of the few players to ever, like, average, like, 20-plus points, five rebounds, five assists. Like, he's just in good company all the way around. Uh, but... Even what he's doing right now is just not enough for the Rockets to to win. But they was very, very close to knocking off Dallas and Luka Doncic. When, when you say he's in good company all the way around, that would suggest that the entire team is playing at an amazing level. And our record just doesn't reflect that. They're 8-8, eight and eight and they're like mm, somewhere middle road. Why right. is that? Man, you know, I think a lot of times we look at like what what the Rockets are doing, and a lot of times I'm happy with Sagoon, but uh, I look at Jalen Green like in this Dallas game, he only had 12 points. Uh, he was five for 14, three for uh, well, he was two for six on the three point line. He had five assists though, so at, at some point he he did figure out maybe tonight was ain't gonna be my scoring night, so let me figure out a way to dish this ball out. You know, he even had a block. Uh, he had a couple rebounds as well. So I feel like Jalen Green is doing what he needs to be doing, but he also could be a little bit more efficient from the field. And uh, that would have made the difference in this game as well. But, you know, uh, I can't really knock Van Bleek, but Van Bleek could be a little bit better too. Three for nine from the field. Uh, but also you look at he had 12 assists. And every night that I look at Van Bleek, he's always getting a double-double with, with points and assists. Like, this guy is like your poor man CP3 right now for the Rockets. <laughs> the poor man, the ghetto version. Yes, sir. So I'm looking at the stats too, and, and, and it's crazy how you can look at stats. And I said this before and I said it again. 
one person can look at the stats and interpret things one way, and another person can look at the stats and get a total different interpretation. Uh-huh. I look at that assist column, and I think for our team to be even better, that assist column, you, you got to have more than one person in double digits and assists. Right now, they only had one guy, and like you mentioned, it was uh, Van Fleet. He had 12. And then the next closest person to him was, was six, and that's coming from the center position. Uh-huh. Like, that's just not going to cut it. But, you know, you and I had a conversation off camera or off mic, and we talked about potential fixes for the Rockets and what do they need to address. And uh, share your thoughts on that. You know, I've been thinking, I, I, I would really like to see Cam Whitmore get some more PT, you know, at, at least at the NBA level instead of uh, the G League. But if we're looking for an immediate fix, maybe we need to look for a score, like somebody else that can come in and guarantee you uh, 10 points every night or something like that, you know. Uh, somebody that can fill in when Van Bleet is out and, and be able to assist the ball as well. So maybe we need that kind of dual threat kind of person. Uh, I remember we had like Lou Williams, you know, like yeah. it would be perfect if we could have somebody to come that, that played like Lou Williams to play for the Rockets right now. Uh, that would definitely help the, this Rockets team. And also someone that got a little bit of veteran leadership as well. That's a, that's a good leader. To, like like I said, just to help help this team go in the right direction when Van Vliet uh, is out. Well, I, I, I cannot disagree with you on any of those points that you just made. I think all of that is needed. But um, I also believe in Ime uh, Udoka, that he is the type of person that can identify those deficiencies and address them. But one other deficiency I feel like that this team needs is what all NBA championship caliber teams have. And that's that true dog. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be a veteran, in my opinion. It could be a young person that just, but you got to just have that DNA. And right now, normally, that, that, that dog presence that I'm talking about that gives that team that identity normally comes from the power forward position, that enforcer. That, that, that guy that comes in and, and brings the strength and the muscle and delivers a statement to the rest of the league, like, we ain't going to stand for that. You know, we're going to stand for this. We're going to put it down. Because right now, I just think that the Rockets are all finesse. And that's not, you know, that's not sustainable as far as in, imposing fear into your opponents. And I, and, I, and I liken it to one other team in the NBA. Take a look at the Golden State Warriors. They are a total finesse team, but the dog on that unit, Draymond Green, instills fear to the rest of the league. Like, yeah, we finesse, but if you get out of line, uh, we're going to tap that ass. Well, I, I feel like Dylan Brooks is a dog. He, he might not play the fourth position, but he a dog. Uh, there's been other dogs that, that play uh, other positions, you know, for former championship teams that didn't play the four. But Dylan Brooks is a dog to me. Jason, uh, I mean, Jason Tate is a dog as well. You know, another thing you had mentioned is it's actually interesting to me. You talked about assists. The Rockets had 33 assists against Dallas that night, and the Mavericks had 25. And so I guess it, it really just depends on where you're getting the assist at. Are you getting, are you getting it behind the three-point line, or are you getting it inside the field, you know, closer to the, uh, the goal? So, 
I guess it just de depends on how you match up that night. And uh, I think Dallas just got some of those better shots. Yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about assist, it's a complimentary type of thing, sort of like what they mentioned in football, you know, the offense and the defense. If I throw you an assist, then, you know, your field goal shooting has to match uh, the assist that we're giving. Right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, 33 assists in the game, but you're not producing the points, uh, that lets me know that, a lot of the rocket shots that there's the shot selection is one time is the ball moving they just putting up shots that are just not the shot the shot selection is not good shots yeah uh looking at this game i, I would definitely say it probably was some bad shot selection and the rockets just wasn't hitting good for three uh 27.6 percent from the three-point line versus the mavericks they shot 35.3 from the three-point line. But if you look at it, the Rockets actually did better from, from the field for 49.4%. That's almost 50% for them. Uh, versus the Mavericks, they did 47.2%. So this game, it was actually a lot closer than even you know what the score would even say, 121-115. It's six points, but it, it, it probably was really closer than just that. You know, the Rockets really had a chance against a, a, a team that that we would say is definitely going to the playoffs and, and a, a superstar player in Luka Doncic. Yeah, and then you, you look at his numbers in that game, and he had 41 points. Right. So where's the defense? Then you look at the next top scorer, which is Irving, Kyrie. He had 27 points. So they just basically came in and imposed their will. But like you said, and even in doing so, with them putting up those kind of numbers, we only lost the game by uh, – six points yeah but i still want to refer back to uh the first point that we was making about having that dog and you mentioned dylan brooks so earlier in the season we faced the lakers back to back in the first game dylan brooks you know he had a decent game and, and, and the narrative came out that he held lebron to decent numbers lebron got message of that message a <laughs> word of that message and then the very next night what did he do he went out and, and put all of that to rest. Because I believe he scored 30-plus points in that game against Dylan Brooks. Yeah. And let him know, don't even start beating your chest around me, player. I'm still King Kong in this league. So, I mean, you can't have that, that presence be inconsistent. It has got to flourish night in and night out. Well, let's not just put it all on Dylan Brooks either, though, because in that game, uh, when LeBron did go off for 30-some points, uh, I did notice that they did a lot of switching to get you know Dylan Brooks off of him. So, all together, the, the team together, they just got to play better defense. Uh, nationally, in the NBA, they, they ranked in the top five for the defensive rating. So, I think uh, for the Rockets to win and continue to win throughout the season, they have to be consistent on the defensive side of the ball, most of all, and then just start taking better uh, shots. Yeah, uh, shot selection definitely. Uh, we gotta find a way to slow teams down because in this league, when you're giving up 120 plus points per night, that's kind of hard to do for an 82 game season. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's 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 definitely something too that we gotta kind of lock down. Yeah. So flipping the script to uh, the Denver game where the Rockets lost as well. That was two back to back losses. Uh, 134 and 124. Rockets lost to Denver. 
uh, in Denver, and the Rockets are what what we said they're they're zero and seven on the road. Absolutely. So it's like uh, I I think it's like the same thing when we was talking about the Astros before. It's like why why can't the Astros win at home now? The question flip is like, why can't the Rockets get a victory on the road? Like, at least one or two games, you know, they should be able to figure out a way to just get in there <clears throat> and get the victory. Um, this is pretty sad because you can't go to the playoffs and be uh, negative on the road all the time. You got to figure out a way to, to pick up the energy and, and, you know, pull out the W. Yeah, and, and you know, we looked at the stats from the Mavericks game, and in that game, uh, Jalen, he only scored 12 points. So we said we needed more production from that position. So the very next game against the Nuggets, he comes out, and guess who's leading the team in scoring that night? He went up to 26, but then Sagoon, he fell down to 22 points. Right. And we lost by an even bigger margin. So to me, if we lose by six, but Jalen Green's scoring is down, he comes out and he's pretty much the uh, still consistent player. He actually stepped his game up not only in points, but assists as well. Uh-huh. And we lose by an even bigger margin. So, again, he does it this way, we lose. He does it this way, we lose. So, what is the fix? It can't all fall on the shoulders of Jalen Green, as the narrative of this podcast and previous episodes has, you know, indicated. And I, I think a lot of a lot of times I mentioned Jalen Green because Jalen Green is really supposed to be the star of the team uh, when we when we circle a star. But even even to be realistic, I, I would honestly say that it's really Singoon. But I feel like Singoon does everything that we need him to do uh, night in and night out. Besides being a better defender, so maybe. Uh, Maybe getting somebody on the inside of the paint. I, I, I would say two things. Uh, getting somebody that can go inside and, and actually be a shot blocker that can defend the paint, you know, and, and allow Sagoon to really just operate and do his thing from the offensive side of the ball. And getting somebody else that can really dish the ball out and uh, make assists and, you know, get people open. Because in this game, Van Bleek was out. And I guess the one good thing that I do see is that when Jalen Green was called to to step up and really make plays and ball out, he did in this game, you know, with Van Vliet not being able to uh, be there. Because we look at Jalen Green, he had 26 points, 9 assists. So we know he can get people open. We know he, he can find an open man and get him a shot. Uh, so maybe if we got the same Jalen Green every night to do that with Van Vliet on the floor, like you said, the more assists, the better. And, uh, and, and the Rockets will be in a better state. But overall, uh, I would like to see Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, step his game up. You know, that I think he had, what, 16? Uh, yeah, he had 16 against the Mavericks. He had 15 the next night against the, the Nuggets. But if he could get more in that 20 threshold and he could shoot better from three, because when we got Jabari Smith Jr., we thought he would be a sharpshooter. And so far, he has not been consistent behind the three-point line. And that's my problem. Uh, you know, like again, we talked off the mic. I'm, I'm thinking that that's the one guy that can be that difference maker. But at the same time, I'm just lost on him right now. Like, what is his identity? He's listed as a power forward. 
Traditionally in the NBA, we know what the power forward position brings to the table. Uh, but I don't see that style of play from him. And like you said just a minute ago, when we brought him in, we thought he was going to be a sharpshooter. I don't really see that. So what is what is his game like? I'm going to be honest. I think Jabari is more like a small forward. You know, he, he to me, he's more like a, a Kevin Durant kind of player. And that's right now he's, he's kind of playing out of position. He don't have the size to really bang with those kind of power force that we see out there, especially not no Draymond Green or any kind of stature built like that that's, you know, thick, thickly built uh, with, with the strength in the, in the bottom of, the, of their body. Uh, Jabari doesn't have any strength right now. So currently, if I was in the Udoka, I would put him somewhere where he's like a swing man, uh, where we can catch him in a catch and shoot kind of, uh, you know, style and, and roll like that. And in the time being, like I said, man, I think if we just got a nice in interior guy that could just rebound and block, move Sengun to the four position, and, uh, and Jabari probably be at the three, or Jabari come off the bench. However, uh, I, I think we should roll that way because I like Dylan Brooks in the lineup as well. So, uh, but you know, it's early. We, we'll figure it out. Okay. So to me, just to piggyback off what you're saying, I, I definitely agree that it seems like Jabari Smith is, is playing out of position, but I'm wondering, could it be as simple as switching the two, putting Dylan Brooks at the power forward and, and moving Jabari to the small forward or the other option that you mentioned, do we need to go out and find another five? Because if you look, as much as we want to give praises to Sagoon, uh -huh. if he's going to be the man in the middle, yeah, it's great. You're putting up all these points, and you're also helping in the assist category. But let's look at him at the defensive end. Right. This man is averaging half a block in the last two outings. That's not sustainable. You have to bring more of a defensive presence coming from the five position in today's NBA. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and that's the problem with Sagoon right now. And I guess, like, uh, it, it's still early in his career, you know, and I think the the thing that he's been focused on was his shot, his offensive uh, ability, and, and that's the things that shine. That's the things that's going to get him paid versus being the top defender in the NBA. But he still got to be able to get, get in there and get nasty, and I think that's the, uh, the difference between him and, and Jokic right now, you know. Once Sengun can can find himself on the other end as far as defense and put his offense together, he'll be a real dangerous baller. Yeah, and that's what we need. We need something to be, you know what I'm saying, where he's really dangerous. Because I'm going to give it to you like this. Uh, Sagoon, this is not his first year, but let's just say where he stacks up against the rest of the players in the league as far as on the defensive end. You got Victor Wimbenyama. Uh -huh. who is leading the league this year in block attempts at 2.72 per game. He a rookie and he already got it. So, you got Sagoon. To me, he should be leap years ahead of that. And then you got Anthony Davis. All granted, he hasn't played as many con uh, in many contests, but he's got 2.68. Then uh, And he's tied with Brook Lopez. Rudy Gobert, 2.3. Like, you have to step it up on the defensive end. This is what the leaders are producing, and here's what you're producing. You're producing less than half a block. That's just not 
Right. And, okay. And uh, I think he could step it up on the uh, defensive rebounds as well. Like, it, it's something it's something else that Sagoon got to do on that other end that he got to dominate at. Rather it's blocking or rebound, something. It's, it's something that he got to chip in and make the difference at on that side of the ball. I totally agree. Okay, so to change to the next game, uh, we are facing the Lakers tonight. Uh, the Lakers have a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home, and the Rockets are going in there at 500. Like we said, haven't won on the road yet. But do you think the Rockets could somehow pull a win out tonight? And if possible, what's going to have to take place for the Rockets to do it tonight? Well, see, that's the thing about the Rockets uh, right now. Like I said, the 8-8, eight eight, you never know which team you're going to get unless they're actually playing at home because on the road they are winless and and, and that's kind of shocking to me and, and that tells a story within itself but uh we kind of identified some some needs from the team and if somehow they could kind of uh implement uh some of those strategies it all starts with what do you decide to do do you lock down and get the ball out of LeBron's hands and make the rest of the team beat you? Or do you try to play this uh, committee-style defense against him? Like, what do you think? Man, I, I think you put your best player on LeBron, your best defensive player. You try to slow him down. You know there's no such thing as shutting down LeBron James. But... I think that's that's uh, the key ingredient to winning this game. Like I said before, I believe Anthony Davis, Mr. Street Clothes, I think he can be shut down. You know, like today, he's a game-time decision. Yeah. <laughs> Street Clothes, you, you just never know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. And that right there could be the one reason why we can defeat the Lakers tonight. Because if Alperin Sengun bring his A game, and he bots out Anthony Davis, and like I said, just get some more rebounds, bro. I need that 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 double double out of Alperin tonight to really defeat the Lakers. Uh, I know Van Vliet; he's gonna do what he has to do as far as assisting. He's gonna take over and chip in when he needs to. And I'm pretty confident in uh, Jalen Green, but like you said, the biggest question mark right here really will be Jabari Smith Jr. Because at the end of the day, that's just really. That is who is really going to be the man that's going to be on AD. Can Jabari step up, get a couple blocks, and can he throw his body around and try to get a couple rebounds? Exactly. And uh, for me, I would use this as a true gauge as far as in if changes, what changes need to be made. This is going to be the perfect example for me to get that gauge if AD plays tonight because then that would force Jabari Smith to have to show us something on both ends of the court in order for the Rockets to walk away with this victory. Now, just looking a little bit ahead down the line, not only do we play the Lakers tonight, but we got Oklahoma City after that. We face Denver. Then we got San Antonio, and we come up against Memphis twice. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, with that schedule looking like that, and to go into even further down the line, after coming off of those two against Memphis, you got Milwaukee. So those changes that we talked about are definitely needed 
to, to, to be successful on this upcoming stretch? Yeah, the Rockets is really going to have to get on the ball. Uh, just like you said, looking at this schedule, the Rockets really need a win right now. Uh, last time we talked about the Rockets, I think the Rockets were like fifth in the Western Conference. Now they're like ninth in the conference. So that right there, just them, them last two uh, lose, you know, losses that they uh, took, and then they went on a two-win streak, and then they had another three-losing uh, streak, you know, prior to that. It's just like the Rockets is going to have to really figure it out at, at home and away because you just can't go on a road, especially after those big, uh, big gaps that they have because that's the one thing I, I realized also about this Rockets team. Once they get going, they start winning, they get on a good win streak, they have big gaps in between where they have a, a huge west uh, resting break where it be like four days, five days. And I, I think now that I'm looking at the schedule, those breaks are starting to like uh, shorten. So I think this Rockets team in December can really get back into the spot that we expected them to. So by the time the All-Star break come around, we're looking at a Rockets team that is full-fledged, playoff-ready. Uh, like we said earlier, though, you know, this is not panic time. This is still early in the season. The team still has time to gel, but we would like to see it uh, kind of more at an accelerated pace than what it's been. It's kind of been a slow builder where, you know, they're kind of getting it and they're kind of not. At this point, like you said, it's still early. Uh, they're only third in their division, so and, and, and that's – behind two games back. So that's very much uh, uh, attainable to, to, to go from third all the way to first. Because right. like I said, it's only a two two games uh, deficit. So starting tonight, they can build off something and go into that next uh, five, six game stretch and hopefully be on the upside of 500. Uh, yeah, probably by the time the All-Star break comes, we can see uh, a different team, a, a more successful team. But Again, I think it all evolves around two key players. Uh, Jabari Smith and Jalen Green, we just got to see more. Yeah, I agree. And also mm -hmm. just looking at like them being in a nine spot in the Western Conference, the, the one good thing that I do see, it, it still puts the Rockets in the play-in tournament. Yeah. So, that means they still got a shot at the playoffs. Uh, if they finish today in the ninth seed, they still got a shot now. Can they beat that Golden State team? I'm not sure, you know, just based on the history that we've seen so far. But right now, the Rockets are still exceeding expectations so far this season. And hopefully, uh, like we said, you know, later in the season, we see them climb up into the higher tier, uh, one through six in the Western Conference. So we don't have to really worry, worry about a uh, play-in spot. And we're definitely just in the playoffs. Right. It's going to be definitely an interesting matchup tonight because it's the Lakers against the Rockets and in the Western Conference, uh, respectively, they're 8 and 9. So they're both trying to climb the ladder, so to speak. Right. So both teams should come out hungry and hopefully it's a dogfight that the Rockets come on top of. Right. Uh, well, turning the page on that, you know, we, we talked about early front runners and uh, where the Rockets are and stuff like that. But let's just look across the league, you know, from the Eastern to the Western Conference. Let's look at, uh, I would say, the, the the early front runners for me is the top four teams in each conference right now. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, in the Eastern, I would say the Celtics, the Magic, Bucks, 
and the Philadelphia 76ers. And out of those four teams, the most interesting team to be at the top is Orlando because Absolutely. Orlando been bottom feeders for the last couple years. They was with the Rockets, you know? Yeah. And now to see them in a two-spot, 14 wins, five losses, I'm really blown away by what they're doing. And, I, just, you know, I'm just impressed at how far they came and, and the expectations they are really exceeding right now. We talk about the Rockets exceeding expectations, but, but Orlando is really that team right now. Yeah, absolutely, and we can't we can't fail to mention that currently they're on a nine game winning streak. Yeah, what? You know, in the last ten competitions, they're nine and one. Where did that come from? You know, I don't I don't know, but you know, I, I would definitely say everything started with uh, Paolo Banchero. You know, and a lot of that makes me think like, man, if we could have probably got Paolo Banchero instead of Jabari Smith, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we would have been better mm-hmm. fit up. That's just one of the things about being a GM, man. If you if you could have this crystal ball that would kind of show you futuristically how each play in the draft is going to pan out, you know, then you know there will be dynasties in all sports across right. the league. But but since you don't have that, you just have to go based off of the sample uh, plays that you have from a college level. I mean. Jabari Smith was a solid pick whenever when the Rockets picked yeah. him. I don't, I don't think any of the fans in Houston were disappointed by the at pick. all. But to say that you could see what this young man out of Orlando was going to accomplish, I don't think anybody saw it. Not even the GM that got him in Orlando. You know, it's crazy because he was actually favored to go to the Rockets, and then Orlando actually took him surprisingly because Jabari was was the sought after prospect, number one prospect of that year's draft. And so when they took Paolo, everybody was happy, you know, as far as a Rockets fan, because we had the, the chance to really get Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith. But like I said, we bought Jabari in think he was gonna be a sharpshooter that the next dog that could just go out there, swing it, swing it out behind a three point line, he knock him down all the time. Unfortunately he hasn't been all that so far in his career. But there's no telling if he will get there or, you know, whatever the case may be. But when I looked at Paolo Manchero, the one thing that I thought is is like a baby LeBron. Oh, really? And the reason is that because the way he can move with the ball, this dude is 6'10", 250. He can shoot. You know, he can do so much in his position. And even though they have him listed as a four, he's really like the one on this team, you know. So, Paolo Manchero is definitely a, a special player. He has culminated a lot of skill into his body uh, and I think that's why the Magic are number two so far in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're first in the Southeast Division right now. And again, that same thing we said when we talked about the, the Rockets. It's still early on in, in the season. But as of right now, they're first in their division. And like I said, they've tied a, a franchise record with nine straight wins. So this, this is going back over the history of that franchise. They are doing something remarkable this year. And uh, hats off to them for, for coming out and competing strong every night. But now let's 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 go to the Western Conference, the top four teams in the Western Conference. Yeah. You got Minnesota, Denver, Oklahoma City, and the Dallas Mavericks. Who's your sleeper in them? Um sleeper for those four, I would well, say well, not so much a sleeper, but who who surprised you this year? the most being in the top. It has to be Oklahoma City. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 
he he's been a dominant player for the last uh, I would say two to three seasons. But I think the biggest difference for this team so far is Shet Holmgren. You know, getting him back, uh, he didn't really get to uh, showcase what he has for the team last year when he faced LeBron. LeBron, I think he stepped on his foot or something, broke his foot, yeah, and he yeah. just kind of messed up his whole season. But, see, a lot of people don't know. Shet Holmgren is what Wimbiana is. You know, he is basically the same kind of player. He's like 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, can run the floor, he can shoot, he can pass, he can block, he can do whatever you really want him to do. Uh, he is the same kind of player. So, oh, really, I really dude? didn't understand why everybody <laughs> hyped up Wimbiana the way they did because Shet was already doing that in the same kind of body uh, and everything. So, those two players are pretty similar and I think Shet is really the, the total difference for this team because he just knows how to put it all together on the floor defensively and offensively and uh, just assist and make others better around him, you know? And that's why the Thunder are where they're at right now. Well, you, you kind of answered your own question right there. You said you don't know why he wasn't getting the kind of hype that he was that, uh, that like, when Mignogna got. It, it's the market. He's in Oklahoma City. You know, it's not like he's in the Big Apple somewhere. So, well, well, I'm saying prior, like before he got drafted. You know, yeah. You know, Wimbiana, he came from overseas, which he came from France, and I think that's one of the big things. You know, they have all these players now uh, playing inter from international places: Turkey, uh, France, Spain, and they come over here and they and they play big. Oh, Greeks. Uh, you know, so. You have all these players, and you really look at the the NBA now. It's it's really an international league, you know. As far as the best players, like you you can't name the the top five best players in the league right now without naming somebody that's from somewhere else besides America. Speaking of naming, I can't even pronounce half these players' names that's in the NBA because they're coming from different places. But the diversity has been a, a great look for the league all the way around. But when talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder specifically, um, you know, I got to kind of go and piggyback off something that Stephen A. Smith himself said about this team currently this year. Uh -huh. And his remark was, this team ain't no joke. They just beat the Lakers, who we face tonight, 133-110, uh, to 110, and, and Alexander scored 33 points in that contest. See? That boy been a dog, man. He been a dog. Um, now, in the Eastern Conference, out of all the teams that's there, you know, you can look from one through through ten, however you want to put it. Um, one of those teams is going to be a dark horse team that you're not expecting to really make an impact and get into the playoffs. And which team do you expect it to be? Um, just looking at the teams and where they are right now, that's a real, real tough question. But I can actually see maybe – the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, that that's funny because that's who I have. I, I have the Cavs. And the reason I have the Cavs, to be honest, I'm, I'm a big fan of Donovan Smith. I mean, not Donovan. Uh, Bruh. Donovan uh, Mitchell. Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. So, uh, Mitchell, to me, he is like, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. He's like a baby Kobe in some kind of ways. He's just a winner. That too, he's a winner. Uh, I like the way he gets to the basket. I like the way how he, he got a nice little little move set. You know, he can he just know how to score. Yeah. Uh honestly, bro, like if the Rockets 
ever really wanted to make a trade for one player in the NBA, I would love if they had Mitchell. And I think one of the one things that really hurt Mitchell right now is the market that he's in. Uh, he's, he's been in nothing but small markets from Utah to Cleveland, you know, but if he came to a big market like Houston or something like that, he would really be recognized as one of the top players in the NBA as he's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I just look back um, when he was in Denver, how he, he took Denver, Utah. And, I mean, I'm sorry, Utah. He took Utah and elevated that market to something more than what it had been since Stockton and Malone. Uh, he put them back on the map, one player. And so now he's doing the exact same thing over in, in Cleveland since mm -hmm. LeBron left. Like, he's the reason why Cleveland is on, on, on people's tongues, you know what I'm saying, because of him and his play. And he's done that everywhere he's gone. Uh, you threw that out there, so, you know, the, the, the curiosity in me, uh, it kind of comes up with a question when you say that if, if the Rockets could somehow get him, uh -huh. you, you would love that. But what would you give up in order to make that trade? You know, it's, it's kind of tough because Donovan Mitchell plays a two-guard position. Now, I wouldn't say that I would give up JG because you really don't know what kind of ceiling JG has, you know? But you know what but Mitchell we, has. We, we know what Mitchell has, but to get Mitchell, you're going to give up JG plus some, you know? Uh, maybe I, would, I probably would give up Jabari. I probably would give up Jabari, see how JG and Mitchell play together with Van Vliet, uh, you know, facilitating, and then just go get another four that, that probably could defend and he don't clog the paint. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I cannot name the current general manager for the Houston Rockets right now to save my life. But I, I do want to do this. I want to put that Raphael guy Raphael Stone. Raphael Stone, whatever. I want to put him on notice. I got a young man. Last name Raw, first name D. Talking like he talking tonight. <laughs> he might be coming for your job, Mr. Stone. Be careful. Hey, it's very possible because, uh, you know, Stone, he was a lawyer. <laughs> so, lawyer, you know, legal business really don't relate to sports business, you know, in, in that uh, aspect of things. But, hey. All right, so that's, 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 that's true. But since I shared my sleeper from the Eastern Conference, well, who's your sleeper team from the Western? It's the Clippers. Oh, really? They're sleepers? Yeah, the Clippers are sleepers because right now, and not just right now, but everybody kind of figured once you threw James Harden in there, it wasn't going to work, you know, because you got to look at wherever James Harden goes, he's pretty much a cancer. But I think this one team, it just might work out because you got everybody from L.A. and they're going to do it for the city. Wow. You know what? Uh, I guess this is the one conference where it's okay to disagree. Because to me in the NBA, anytime you have almost an all-star starting lineup, I could never consider you to be a sleeper. Like if they, it's kind of like you damn if you do, damn if you don't type of roster. Uh -huh. If they don't win, people be like, oh man, it was this. If they do win, it's like, oh man, y'all was supposed to because of this. So I, I can't never, just because of the who they have, the personnel that they have on their roster, I personally could never just consider them a sleeper. But I tell you right now, this Western Conference is so mixed up and jumbled up this year, 
Because if you look at the standings right now currently, do you know if the playoffs started today? The Rockets, the Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs, nor the Portland Trailblazers would make it to the playoffs. You know, it's funny. I was just about to mention it because the way I'm looking at it right now, you have Minnesota, Denver, Oklahoma City, Dallas, the Kings, Suns, Pelicans, and then the Lakers all in the playoffs right now. And we're not talking about the play-in and all that. But it's other teams like I'm going to be honest, like, we didn't expect the Rockets to make the playoffs, really. But the Clippers, with the team they have, and the Warriors, those are two teams that you would expect to be in the top eight right now. I was so it's like being the top four. Out of those teams, yeah. you know, all these teams that I just named, which one of these teams is not going to make it? Mm, not going to make it to the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, if, 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 if the way that they're trending right now, Currently, you know, keeps up. I, as much as I hate to say that, I would say it's the Rockets. You say the Rockets? Yeah, because I'm going. I'm gonna tell you right now. Somehow I get the feeling that the, the Clippers, they're gonna find a way to turn turn around what's going on there. Golden State Warriors, I'm not worried about them. I can see them moving up. So if those two teams move up, that would have the Rockets and the Lakers kind of falling down. I feel like the Lakers are going to, you know, they're going to come come playoff time, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Right. But to answer the original question that was on the table, my sleeper out of the Western Conference right now, for me, it's definitely New Orleans. Wow. What? It's funny you say that because I think the New Orleans Pelicans, I actually believe that's going to be the team that's going to fall out of the playoffs, which is going to allow – Someone like the Rockets to slide into the playoffs. Well, we'll see. I mean, barring any injuries with the way that they're playing, right now they're currently on a two-game winning streak. And in the last 10 games, they're 7-3. and three. Uh, The Rockets right now, last 10 games, they 5-5. Five and five. They average. Right. But it seems like to me the Pelicans are playing above-average basketball early on in the season, and they can only get stronger barring any injuries. Right. Yeah, you're right because uh, when Zion is on and he's healthy, uh, he's one of those players in the NBA that's that's damn near unstoppable, you know. And when you put that with uh, Ingram and you got uh, I think with McCollum, yeah, you know, th- those three players that's a big three for New Orleans, and mm-hmm. and that's something that New Orleans has rarely ever seen. You know, three good solid players on their team, and uh, even last year they made it to the playoffs and. With Zion Williamson, he didn't play many games last year. He was so, hurt. He was hurt. So you know, if they could put those three on the floor and keep them healthy, you're right. New Orleans could be a dangerous squad because they was just up there with top four, yeah, something like that uh, last season. So you never know. Uh, but I, I still, I still think that that would probably be the one team that would slide out the playoffs and the Rockets could slide in. You know, and I guess that's just me looking from a biased point of view. Well, they are currently second in the Southwest Division. So, I mean, you know, like we said before, if the playoffs started today, they would definitely be in right now. Right. And uh, since we mentioned all of these teams and different players that play on different rosters and all that, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to float something out there. I'm I'm curious to how you think about it, you know. I've been looking at the NBA, and it's almost seemed like it's time for this, what I'm about to say. Yeah. Like, 
in years past, coming into each year, we knew who the superstars of the league was at that time and who, who it was going to be. Uh -huh. But it seems like right now, it's time to put a crown on someone new to be the new face of the NBA. Like a new generation has come in. These guys are getting old. LeBron's not getting any younger. Steph Curry's not getting any younger. Those are, you know, like the current faces of the NBA. Is it time for a new face? And if so, who is that face? Yeah, it's definitely time for a new face because currently uh, I would say the face is LeBron James. I mean, I don't think nobody would really disagree with that at this point, you know. But uh, besides that, the I would go ahead. <laughs> besides that, I think the face of the NBA is Nikola Jokic. You know, if if it's not Jokic, it has to be Giannis. But but like I said before, you you look at the NBA and your top players are international players. You know, players from other places. So it, it would have to be someone like that because these are the, 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 the players and they are the reason why the NBA is becoming so internationally, you know, so much more internationally known throughout the world where you actually have uh, these teams that's coming, uh, well, I would say these teams, but these players that's coming from overseas and they're being dominant and they're being much better than some of the players, uh, you know, close to, to us, our fellow Americans, what you want to say. So, uh, I would say Nikola Jokic is, is the face of the NBA right now, though. And, you know, I, I was looking at something that was very interesting as it pertains to this topic this, that we're talking about currently right now. Just, just, just as, a, as a, a, a key point as to why I even uh, asked this question on this segment, do you know that LeBron James, the, as you put it, the current face of the NBA, is not top five in any of the statistical categories of the NBA at all this year? I can believe it. And in the rankings of the top players in the NBA this year, uh, ESPN was nice enough to break it down, and they, and they put the players into to five different tiers. Mm -hmm. And tier one was Luka, Jokic, and Embiid. These are your top players per ESPN. Uh -huh. In that second tier, you had Curry, Giannis, and Taylor, Jason Taylor, who I haven't seen here heard us mention his name much in this particular episode. But then in tier three, you got LeBron, Durant, Maxi, Alexander, and shout out to that dog, uh, Anthony Edwards. That's uh -huh. in tier three. Now, tier four, Donovan Mitchell, Fox, Another dog, Sabonis, Halliburton, uh, and, and he's going to have to forgive me, uh, Adebayo, and Trey Young. They, they, they round out tier five. And then the last tier is tier five. And this tier is where you get to Anthony Davis, Williamson, Paul George, Desmond Bain, uh, Mark Kennan, uh, Tobias Harris, Jalen Brown, and Damian Lillard. All the way down wow, to wow, tier five. Wow. Now, the thing that shocked me the most about that is where some of the top players over the last, say, five, six years have fallen all the way down to tier five. But, you know, what you said, all of that is interesting, but you didn't say Jimmy Butler, did you? Mm -mm. And, and we, He's we, not even mentioning it. We're we talking about a, a player that's clutch, 
that he he's great on on ball and defense. He got a great feel for the game. He's uh one of those players that has led a team damn near by himself to the finals, you know, mm-hmm. twice. And he just did it recently, and Jimmy Butler's not mentioning any of those tiers. Now, he might have a weird personality and all that. You know, he from the H, so, you know, a little respect on his name, you know. <laughs> I'm like, what's weird about his personality? Nah, he is a little weird. He, he ain't seen him with the little bob cut and all that. Yeah. I mean, you know. He, he do all kinds of stuff with his hair, bro. Yeah, <laughs> But well, we we really don't care about that. We talk about what he does on the floor, and uh, personally, I just I think Jimmy Butler should at least be like tier two, you know. Well, he's not per the ESPN rankings. Now, for personal rankings, he may be, but the, the glaring thing to me is when you talk about a face of the NBA, how could this person out of five tiers be way in tier three? Not tier one. Not tier two, but tier three. I think I think I think they need to reevaluate that list. Bro, because, I, you know, I think I think that that list was created based on the market value of a player. Mm-hmm. Because some of these players they're they're playing in big markets and like to be honest, like when they look at Miami, Miami is not considered a large market, and I think that's like one of the reasons why Jimmy Buckets was skipped over. Uh, did you even mention Devin Booker? Uh, no, Devin Booker was not mentioned, but I'll tell you another key name that was also not mentioned. Uh, how about the man himself, Kyrie Irving? He's not on that list. And we're talking about one of the best ball handling passers in the NBA. So that's why I say, I, me personally, I think they need to reevaluate that list. But per, per, per their website, that's what they're reporting as the NBA top players. Which what which is what made me ask the original question. Is it time? Has there been a changing of the guards? Is it time for a new face to take place in the NBA? And if so, in your personal opinion, who would that person be? It would be Jokic. Uh, I think uh, Jokic, he's, well, him and Giannis is the same age. But I would say Jokic is more, um, he's easier to sell for, for some because he can do more as far as the game. Like when we look at Giannis, we, we just see a dude that just run run down court and dunk the ball, you know, to be totally honest. Uh, he's versatile on the defensive side and things like that. But Jokic is is a seven-foot big that can run down court. He can pass. He can shoot. He can defend. He can do a lot more than what Giannis really does. Like Jokic is that, that guy that uh, if he was like, let's say he was 6'2", you wouldn't expect him to be able to really ball. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's not a true athlete. He just has um, a real, real nice um, finesse game to what the way he, he moves around the court. You know, the way he shoots, the way he, he fades, and all that, those kind of things. All that culminates into someone that's very transcendent in his, in his big man position. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to argue with what you just said right there, but for me, I think I will have to go with uh, a couple of the younger players in the league. And I'm talking about uh, uh, Shy Alexander. And I, I love what this guy, Anthony Edwards, is bringing to the table, man. Like, as far as you're talking about having a face, what these guys are doing uh, offensively and defensively, 
Uh, I think, you know, their name needs to be in the hat. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, potential faces, I would definitely say Anthony Edwards, Luca, uh, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, as we mentioned before. Um, but even just to go younger than that, just some, some people that's on the, on the ladder up, you know, that's right there or will be there. I would say Wimiana and, and Sengun. I, I think those those are the players that we kind of got to look down at and see where they'll probably be in the next two to three years. They could possibly be one of the faces of the NBA. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, uh, shout out to Wimiana out there in San Antonio. Uh, I misspoke. I really meant to mention his name, but uh, he's definitely one of those front runners for me uh, as far as in a new face of the NBA. So now, uh, what teams are on the ladder up? Teams on the ladder up, man, you know, we, we said one of those Houston Rockets, you know. Uh, Memphis, I think they're still there uh, to, to come up. We're, we're, we're waiting for Morant to come back. And I think with Jock coming back, Memphis will be back in the fold as well uh, out of the West. Those are the two teams. I think San Antonio is, is probably – some years off, I think they need some more players, and they got to figure out how they're going to get them players there because it's San Antonio. Uh, looking at the East, I like Indiana. You know, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he's a very, very special player, but it's really just him and Miles Turner, you know. So yeah, that, they're, they're, they're a couple of pieces away as well. Yeah, they're definitely a couple of pieces away. Uh, and, you know, I really want to mention this thing. I know they're in the bottom of the East right now, but – Every year, they've been uh, grabbing players in the draft in the, in the top five, and that's Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think that's a team that's on the ladder up, and I think that will be the next 76ers kind of squad because you got to remember, you remember all those years where the Sixers was just getting top players, top players year after year, and that's what Detroit is doing pretty much right now. They're doing the same thing, and before we know it, all of that's going to culminate and come together, and it's going to be something great, and they'll be uh, a perennial playoff team. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from with making a, a bold prediction like that. Uh, you said they've been grabbing top players in the draft, and they're on the ladder up. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure what ladder it is that they're using uh, to, to come up <laughs> because they're currently in the 16 game So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get where you're coming from. You know, maybe they're going to shock not only uh, myself, but some of the, the fans that's listening and, 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 and make you look like the ultimate guru with that prediction. But, you know, dead last in Houston Compass, they need they need your kind words to take to, to come into existence. So, yeah. And they'll get there, man. It, like I said, you know, they, they might be like San Antonio. They might be a couple seasons off, but I just don't feel like Detroit really has that window of time to still be seasons off from having success. So eventually, they're going to have to uh, do something to get where they need to be. You know, maybe they got to trade some of them young players out and get a couple bets in there. I don't know, but it's going to happen soon. Okay. Well, you know, hopefully it's uh, much sooner rather than later. Now, uh, we're going we're gonna to tackle another topic here. Uh, Zach Levine. Hey, people, I got cussed off off the mic by my co-host because I call this young man Zach Levine. And I'm telling you right now, the dreads went back into a ponytail. The glasses got wiped off. 
and the shoes got tied. I almost had my nose bloody and my back dirty by mispronouncing this man's name. So let me say it right for all the listeners right now. Zach Levine. <laughs> Does he need to be traded possibly to the Lakers <coughs> for his skill set to improve or what needs to happen with him? You know, that that's really an interesting question right now. Uh, does he really help out the Lakers? I mean, he would come in as a bona fide scorer for them, you know, especially if they're looking for someone to score the ball. Uh, he also can do a little assisting, a little bit of rebounding. But most of all, he's an offensive player, but he's not going to help them on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know if that's really what the Lakers need. And looking at the Bulls team right now, I really don't know if he's, you know, going to, like like I said, I don't think he's going to help the Lakers and as well as he's not really helping this Bulls team because they're 6-14. and 14. I feel like the Bulls have a nice squad. You know, they have DeMar DeRozan. Um, they have Lonzo Ball. They got Andre Drummond down low. Like, that's a nice squad. So him coming from Chicago to L.A., what is really going to be the difference there uh, other than his scoring? And I, I don't really know if that's what the Lakers are really missing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at uh, his, his career stats right now. And he's only played, out of all the years he's been in the league, he's only played one full season, a complete season, one time in his career. Wow. And uh, he, he kind of bounced back to form last year. He played 77 out of the 82. But um, overall, altogether, in all the seasons, he's only played one complete season where he played every game. Uh, and they're saying that the market really isn't out there for him because they the Bulls have been trying to shop him. So I don't know if he needs to go to, say, the Lakers, but what else could be a possible good fit for him? Because he definitely probably needs a, a fresh start away from the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to say, you know, I always like to throw in the Rockets because I said something about a score, but someone like him would probably be definitely helpful. But, um, at the same time, he might kind of take away from what the Rockets are doing because he's going to take touches away. And what? I don't want to, you know, take too many touches away from people like Jalen Green or, uh, Tari East and those, those players that, uh, or barely getting the ball now or, or not taking a lot of shots right now because he's going to be a volume shooter coming in and he's going to take a lot of shots and he's going to miss a lot of shots. So I wouldn't necessarily say that the Rockets is the best team, but we kind of got to, I guess, look at one of those, uh, those other teams that's like kind of pushing for the playoffs. Uh, maybe Memphis. And, you know, I, I would say Memphis because Memphis has some nice pieces, but with John Morant being out, Zach Levine could probably really fill in, uh, take those volume of shots that, you know, uh, John Moran was taking before and hit some of those for him and keep him competitive. So by the time Morant come back, you know, they, they got a nice little squad, like a nice little nucleus. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That makes good sense, just good basketball sense. But, um, you know, some people – would view this a little bit differently, but I, I just ask respectfully that y'all hear me out on this. Earlier in this podcast, I, I, I stated that I feel like one of the problems for the Rockets was having that dog presence 
on the team that somebody who is who is a, is a, is a lot more physical brings a lot of more physicality to uh, our, our our front court. I think Levine paired with Sagoon actually remedies that <laughs> because yes, he's going to get more touches. But he's going to give us more points than a Jabari Smith at the power forward position. He does a little bit better in rebounding. He has that physical presence. And I think he's only going to grab more rebounds to be able to kick it out for, for that's going to open up the fast break opportunities for like a Jalen Green. Okay. But now, how the GM actually works that out and, and, and brings him in without breaking up the team chemistry, that's above my pay grade. But I actually think if we, somehow we could find a way to bring him here to Houston and not give up or overpay for him, uh -huh. I, I think it would be refreshing. You know, you make a good point. And also, I, I think if we was trading for Zach Levine, I think we also should get this <clears throat> other Chicago Bull that's on their team to help in the paint, Andre John. Because one his contract is not very expensive. It's only like three, three million something. You know, looking at that, that's 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 change in, in the NBA. Uh, but also, we talking about someone that's 6'11", 280 pounds. Uh, he's still pretty young, thirty years old. So he could be here for a little while, and he can bang and get the rebound and block some shots. I'm not even asking him to score like he did back in the day when he was in Detroit. I'm just asking him to go in there, stand the paint, get some rebounds and block shots, move around when Sagoon, you know, is moving in the paint, and and I think it worked out. And uh, <laughs> I wish I had what say. Listen, I don't know what sound effect I would plug in right here, but for me, I'm out on Andre Drummond, and the reason why I say that. Is because when you think about bringing in a veteran player with the with the amount of tenure that he has, there's a reason why his salary is so low. <laughs> because this guy, he just has not gotten it done. If you go back dating from November the 13th through their games through the 30th, okay, that's that that's a nice snapshot of about 10 games. Do you know that this man has only averaged in double digits once? Number one. And that was for exactly 10 points. The other games, he, he had five, four, two, two, two. Like, what is he bringing to the, to the Rockets that we need where we're bottom feeding like that? And, again, the one deciding thing besides the contract, like, I know that most GMs would love that because you also want to be able to bring in something that's not going to be a big hit against your salary cap. But the one thing for me is if I'm going to go out and bring in a veteran player with his tenure, I at least want that player, if nothing else, so that he can be a presence in the locker room to have some type of championship pedigree. This guy has nothing. Bruh. He's like a cupcake with no ice. <laughs> Man, I, I think I think Drummond would, would fit in nice. You talk about someone that's averaging about seven and a half rebounds. Uh, he's averaging half a block in the game. He's averaging a steal a game. Like he, he will feel, fit in nicely, even if he's coming off the bench. Because you know who our backup center is? It's Jock Landell. And Jock Landell is getting eight million dollars, and 
Why? Andre Drummond is a lot cheaper, and I think Andre Drummond is a much better player than Jock Landell. So you look at that, you know, money-wise, we're we're spending way too much on Jock Landell because you tell me, what has Jock Landell did for the Rockets? Hey, Jock Landell reminds me a lot of Andre Drummond. I'm going to tell you what I think. I think that you are a lot like Beyonce, and all I'm hearing while you're saying these two guys' names is one theme song going through my mind. I've been drinking. I've been drinking. Listen, I don't want one of those guys in the Rockets uniform. Not, not now, not ever. Where is it? Jock is already in the Rockets uniform, so we're going to Exactly. <laughs> so he's, he, you know, he reminds me of another guy that has on a Houston uniform who, you know, I think the last time we spoke, I was talking about getting him out of town on a skateboard. Uh, <laughs> do we need to go? DeAndre Houston Carter? Yes. Get him out of here. <laughs> hey, I agree because uh, when we pay you $8 million and you're only averaging two points, 1.9 rebounds and no assists, hell, what is the use of They could have hired me for that shit. I could have got two points. Exactly. I, no, I totally agree People, I don't know if y'all have ever seen D-Raw in his little uniform or ever on the court. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I am a firm believer that he can bring more than Zach, I mean Jock to the table if he was to suit up for the for, for the uh, Rockets. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I'm kind of scared of this next question, but go ahead. Put it out there because you talking about bringing Andre Drummond to the Houston Rockets. I can only imagine what your answer to this next question is going to be. But go ahead. Hey, man. So, moving on. Uh, we're going to talk about our all-time starting five. And I think my starting five be short. And also, look, you get a six-man. <laughs> right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That don't even match what you're saying. No, you're, saying you're saying give you my all-time top five. Five. Now you're asking me to give you a sixth man. Yeah, That's outside of the five. Yeah. Now, which one do you want? Do I you want me to build a whole organization for you? I want you, I want you to build <laughs> the starting five. And if you have a six man, you can have that as well. He's looking for any kind of way to get some kind one of cheap. five. Go ahead. Uh, I defer on this one. Oh, you I, want me to go first? I want to go first. Okay, okay. I want the fans to be able to see the clip gets blown out of the water. All right. So at the one position, I will have Magic Johnson. At the two, Kobe Bryant. At the three, LeBron James. At the four, Hakeem Olajuwon. And at the five, Kareem. Wow, what a five. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, me, Dean Raw and I, we go back and forth, back and forth, and it's, it's a little bit of a competitive edge to the things we say and do on this uh, podcast. But to be honest with you, that top five that you just put out there is arguably hard to put somebody up against. But I will attempt to do so. Mind you, I will note that for some reason, my personal GOAT was nowhere on your list. Who was that? Michael Jordan? Yes. But anyway, we'll come back to that at the end. So now I'm going to name my top five. My starting point guard would be none other 
than a gentleman whose career was cut short due to injury. But I got to put Penny Hardaway as my starting guard. Wow. <laughs> Number two, of course, is going to be Michael Jordan. Number three for me. Hurry uh, up already. Uh, the small forward. You know, I was going to say another name at first, but then I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do something new. I'm going to go another gentleman whose career was cut short with Mr. Grant Hill. Uh, My number four, of course, was going to be Akeem the Dream. I got to have my shout out to H-Town on my starting five. So, yes, Akeem the Dream at his natural position, not center, but power forward. And then number five, oh, my God. Moment of silence for this next pick, people. Because it's, it's crucial. How can you not put the greatest dominant big man at the five? I'm talking about none other than the Shaxter in his prime. That's, that's my top five. Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal. I thought and you were gonna say Will Chamberlain or something. <laughs> I, I mean, Will, 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 Will was athletic. He did what he did, but he wasn't doing it against a mountain like Shaq. So that's my fault. Well, we know where your team would be. They'd be all on the uh, sideline in street clothes. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> the would have, could have team. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm sorry. He did ask me to have a six. Man coming off the bench, and in that, you know what? I'm gonna change something up if you don't mind. I just thought about it. I'm gonna put Grant Hill as my sixth man, and I'm gonna put Kobe Bryant in my starting five. Sorry about that. Yeah, okay. So, were you putting Kobe at the three? I'm putting Kobe at the three, uh, or no, let me let me exchange that. I'm putting Kobe at the two and Jordan at the three. Okay, so my sixth man is Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Now, here's my only problem with that. Against the five that I just named and my sixth man, uh, who all my players are two-way players, they're offense and defense. Where's 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 Coach, I mean Curry gonna get a shot up at? Bruh. Bro, because there's nothing but shot blockers out there, steals and and, and, and defensive are lockdown. We, are we really gonna talk about how, how he gonna get a shot? Curry can shoot. Yeah. Anywhere on the NBA court, yes, he can shoot from your basket. He good. He good. So you really think somebody gonna be able to run him off his spot? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I got a defensive player of the year, a league MVP, Finals MVP out there, absolutely. I do believe we can address that. Nobody stopping Curry. Okay. Nobody. He gonna be the best six man ever. And you don't have first off. You ain't gonna have. I don't even have a true starting five because they're going to be on the sideline hurt. Listen, <laughs> let's talk about your starting five, okay? I believe you said at number one you had Magic Johnson. Yeah. Your two guard was who? Kobe. Oh. Who was your three? LeBron. LeBron. And four was Akeem. And then you had at center Kareem. Kareem. And you're telling me Kareem who runs an absolute, what is it, six nine in the 40? It's going to be walking down that court with my guys? <laughs> I don't think so. That's all right. He can, <laughs> stay, he can just stay and win in the basket. Ladies and gentlemen, at UCLA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was timed at a 6.9 in the 40-yard dash. 
You think on any NBA fast break against my starting five, Kareem is going to make it? I mean, come on, man. It ain't even worth it. Well, first off, I mean, hold on. Which Shaq are you, which version of Shaq are you bringing to the court? I said in his prime. Fat Shaq? I said oh, in his prime. really, dude? <laughs> he was in his prime for a while, so which prime? Notice people. I Orlando, said, Orlando Shaq could get up and down the court. All of my players, <laughs> I did say, he had their prime. <laughs> Orlando Shaq. Orlando Shaq go up and down that court and all around Kareem yep. and the goggles. But, but not the Shaq after that. Were those goggles prescribed by Ray? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It does matter. No, it doesn't. When you're going up against the diesel. <laughs> yeah. You need, to, you need to see where you're going. <laughs> okay. Or you might just get ran over. Well, look. look. I don't even need to put Kareem on the diesel because I can just put Hakeem on the diesel and problem solved. No, it ain't. Because me, I'm going to make that adjustment as if... <laughs> I'm the ultimate MAU Davis of the top five <laughs> all time. And I'm just going to switch and put my king on your king. And that's him. <laughs> well, guess what? I got an honorable mention. Uh, so if I had. Look, look how you got to go and get more players <laughs> to deal with this top five I got. Who you want to get now? Barkley? Come on. Nah, nah, Kevin? Nah, 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 big. Nah, nah, big. Yeah. If I had a seven player on my team, it would be Steve Nash. Uh -huh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for tuning in tonight. One of us has obviously gotten truly delirious. Out of all the NBA greats, he would go and get Steve Nash against somebody. <laughs> arguably. These guys are all-stars of the Hall of Fame. And he went and got Steve Nash. So you're saying Steve Nash is not an all-star of the Hall of Fame? We're talking about one of the greatest facilitators to ever touch the NBA floor. Let me tell you something. When you you talking about starting five all time, the only thing that comes to mind when you first mention Steve Nash is no dis no, no no disrespect to anybody that's vertically challenged, but you talking about bringing in a midget? <laughs> I'm just saying you gonna bring in a midget you gonna to the man of the Giants? Come on now, bro. It it doesn't matter. He played bigger than what his. What his size was. It wasn't even about the size, it was about the quickness. Who did you have on your starting five that was really gonna stay in front of Steve Nash? That's just like I said, who you really got that's gonna defend? No, her. you're right, they're not gonna stay in front of him. They're gonna blow by him. Uh -huh. they're, they're gonna blow by him, they're gonna go up and over I, I, him. Look, they I, gonna I, do I give, everything. I give you the defensive side. That's why he coming off the bench. <laughs> who can Steve Nash guard on my starting five? Who? But who can guard him? Everybody! Oh, oh, they can't. Everybody! Who <laughs> <laughs> can't guard? Yeah. I, you know what? I put Shaquille O'Neal on Steve Nash. He might blow by him, but he's gonna come from behind and get nothing but blocks the minute he try to shoot it. I can't I can't believe you would really just dare to disrespect Steve Nash like that. I'm gonna disrespect Steve Nash. When it comes to playing against a set five of all-time greats from the NBA. Now, playing on a team throughout the course of an NBA season with all of the different players out there, yeah, Steve Nash held his own. But when you're talking about just putting him in a game where it's only the best players that have ever played the game ever, Steve Nash has no business on the Hey, you know what? He's going to be like DeAndre Houston Carter. We're going to get him a fresh skateboard to get the hell up out of there. <laughs> well, I tell you what. The one player you do have that I, I think he can uh, beat, I think he can get past Jordan. 
I think he can get past Jordan. Yeah. And the thing is, see, the thing is about Steve Nash, I really don't need him to get past nobody. He's gonna make the perfect pass to get everybody else open. And that's where you're gonna lose the game at. You know what? I'm gonna apologize to all the listeners out there because this guy just disrespected the name of the show. This just in, in in a personal rage to be right more so than wrong. Uh, someone has you know is starting to come across as you know a little bitter because if you are a real sports connoisseur, <laughs> you understand that you have shelf liquor. And then you have that liquor that's been aging in a barrel, and it's just never to be compared to some of the some of the irking jerks of the world, E and J. And I'm not gonna put something from the Louis collection on the same shelf as some Christian brothers. I'm sorry, but that's just what you're doing when you're trying to put Steve Nash in the same basketball game with the. All-time greatest starting powers. So, well, you know, overall, I, I give you a point. But guess what? It's still going to be five versus two. Your team's still going to be on the side or in a street club. So, either way, it was never a competition to begin with, you know? And, and that's just the way it's going to be. But here's the thing, though. And, 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 and to be honest with you, we could, we could talk about this and go on and on for, for however long. But if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. But wouldn't it be amazing if somehow, some way, we could actually line those two squads up? Like, just in your opinion, if we could line up, and yeah, I know some of the players mirror, but if, we could, if it could happen, that's just hypothetically, if it could happen, how much do you think we could charge for a ticket to that game? Front court. Million dollars. That's it? Yeah, I think a million dollars. A million dollars to see For the five ticket, right? best all-time great NBA players. For each ticket? For each ticket. Yeah, I would say a million. Oh, bro, I'm going to have to go higher than that. For front court seats, that's what I said. Not for every ticket in the state. Okay. For for the average ticket, I would well, up top nosebleeds a million, front court side about fifteen million. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not gonna be you know that pricey with the tickets like nosebleed seats million, nah. But the front court seats, I I, I think we just uh, I'd open up a bidding war and see where it go. I wouldn't put a cap on it because you never know. What's valuable to this man may not be worthless to this guy, but I think a bidding war for the front court seats between, you know, you got true fans out here that would absolutely lose their minds to have their ticket. And I think I think that they would pay that kind of money to I'm be saying, there. And you know it won't be more. Especially, well, you, you're right. You know, especially when we're talking about these players in their primes. Exactly. All on the court at one time. Ooh. Do you know what kind of game it is? Mind you, people, we hadn't even put Tracy McGrady in there. Nobody, uh, you know, they didn't even make the list. You, you got you got your, uh, what you got out of North Carolina? Vince Carter ain't on this list. So you talking about people that surpassed them. Do you know how athletic, how high scoring, how defensive this game could be? This is the ultimate NBA game ever played. Yeah. How do you put a price on that? 
That's a big deal. And, yeah. and like you said, it's a lot of players we didn't even mention. Hell, we ain't mentioned Oscar Robinson, you know, uh, Bill Russell. We ain't mentioned none of them. Larry Bird, we ain't mentioned none of those players. So, mm. uh, I guess it would be crazy if we actually did a whole team full of 15 players and uh, match them up against each other. We, we, we'd have to do a whole other episode for that. But I tell you what, listeners, if you bought into this conversation and you figure like, hey, D-Raw is losing his mind. Or, oh, hey, CB must be visiting the nearest crack house on this. I mean, like, subscribe, share your thoughts on this one here. Because uh, we, we, we really want to know, like, the all-time NBA top five. What you got? Who you got, people? Uh, thank you again for listening. It's been another great episode. Me and Charles did our thing once again. And I hope that you all continue to listen. Like you said, like, comment, and subscribe. Share, share, and share. You stressing me out. DJ B, you are stressing me the fuck out. I was born to score. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nike suit on, strap on, my shoes dead stop. Got this bag and a figure four headlock. We can't find you, get your man's pop. Baby, pull your tits out, I'm finna sign my John Hancock.